Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find a link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. When walking through the halls of the Met, this figure, known as one of the Soñarites in Spanish, can't help but to capture your eye. He peeks out from the case with a brilliant bright smile. The enthusiasm is infectious and you can't help but to smile back. But who is he? Where does he come from? What civilization brought him to life? Though his smile isn't as famous as the Mona Lisa's, this little man is critical for understanding the history of art. So to get that answer for all those questions, keep on listening. This smiling ceramic figure stands somewhat tall at around 18 inches or 47 centimeters. Dating from the 7th and 8th century CE, he was discovered during an archaeological dig in the Veracruz region of Mexico. He does not wear a top, but does wear a skirt and a hat that have been carved with elaborate geometric detail. His ears are pierced with beautiful earrings, and he wears a bracelet on his wrist, and a chunky necklace hangs around his neck. The man has one hand raised in the air, and the other clutches a ceremonial gourd. Scientific analysis indicates that the sculpture was once painted with red and black paint. The black was used to outline specific details, while much of the red was used to draw tattoos on the man's skin. Fascinatingly, the back of the sculpture has little to no detail. This indicates that it was meant to be viewed solely from the front. This smiling man is one of many found in archaeological digs on site connected with the Remojadas people of modern-day Mexico. They lived and flourished on Mexico's Veracruz Gulf Coast from around 100 BCE to 800 CE. The majority of archaeological digs at the Remojadas site took place in the 1940s and 50s. They were led by Mexican archaeologist Alfonso Medellin Zilnel. He is most famous for his work on the Olmec culture, the first major civilization in Mexico. Unfortunately, there has not been much additional study on the area since these digs, leaving our historians with little to work with. The Remajadas culture has been grouped into the larger identity of the classic Veracruz culture. This is because there are many similarities throughout the region in art, architecture, religion, and social structure. Perhaps in the future, with more evidence, we will be able to separate the multiple cultures lumped under that umbrella. The Remajadas culture is most famous for its hollow ceramic figures, like the Smiling Man. Thousands of them have been unearthed in the region, and they are quite diverse. Some smile, like the subject of this episode. Others were meant to be used as musical instruments, like flutes. Some have filed teeth, which was a practice common among the Remajadas people. Studies on these figures indicate that some were made by hand, while others were made from molds. Humans, deities, and even animals are represented by these pieces. So what was the purpose of the figures like the Smiling Man? In general, smiles are not shown in Mesoamerican art. In fact, these figures are fairly unique to the Remajadas culture. Fascinatingly, a plethora of these statues were found at a dig site, speaking to their importance. Our historians have theorized the figures were used for some sort of ritual purpose. They are too large to be held in the hand, but also too small to be the grand central sculptures. These smiling people were often found in graves or niches in a grave, indicating a connection to the dead. On other occasions, they were found in garbage heaps. This is quite confusing, as it doesn't give our historians a great idea of what exactly they were used for, though some believe maybe they served as stand-in for performances during some kind of ritual, perhaps a funeral. Next, I'm going to dive into more info about Mesoamerican culture and archaeology, but first, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. 
So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi there. This is Annalisa, the founder of Accessible Art History. Thanks for tuning in today. As a part of my mission, I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who is curious. But if you'd like to support Accessible Art History, you can find the link to my Patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation. If you do decide to donate, please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode. Thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode. Alright, now that we're back, let's take a look at the archaeology of a place called El Zapatol. It's a site located in the Ignacio de la Llave municipality in Veracruz, Mexico. It's home to the Totonic people, who, like the Remajadas, were part of the larger Veracruz culture. In the 1970s, archaeologists were working on Mount 2 of El Zapatol when they discovered a large cache of the smiling figures. It was a U-shaped ceremonial space that contained primary and secondary human burials. Fascinatingly, the architecture also had paintings that worked in conjunction with the sculptures. Once again, as with the Remajadas excavations in the 1940s and 50s, we see the statues used in conjunction with death rites. It offered our historians another clue on their purpose. Some even believe that they are meant to be servants or chanaque of the god of the underworld, Chana. When people discuss the period of the Veracruz culture, they often refer to it as a pre-Columbian time. But what does that mean? Although it has been established that Christopher Columbus was not the first European to, quote, discover the Americas, his name is still connected to the time before his first landing in the area known as Bahamas. Historians often use 1492 CE as the end of the pre-Columbian era for this reason. During today's discussions, I think it's important to highlight the destruction that Columbus, his missions, and the subsequent conquistadors wrought upon the Americas and Caribbean. In the race for supremacy and dominance in the region, primarily driven by economics, these men nearly completely destroyed the area. Between war, disease, pillaging, and murder, up to 95% of the population, an estimated 20 million people died. Of course, the Rimahadas people lived about a thousand years before the conquistadors, likely being absorbed by other cultures, but it was their descendants and kin people that were conquered. Their traditions and heritage were passed on and then nearly destroyed by greed. It's a tragic story. However, in recent decades, scholars have been heavily focusing on Mesoamerica and uncovering what was lost. Today, the smiling figure is in the Michael C. Rockefeller Memorial Collection at the Met Museum. Although the museum has been collecting art from Africa, Oceania, and the Americas since the 19th century, it wasn't until 1969 that the department it wasn't until 1969 that the department was formally invested with the Rockefeller name. The gift was given by Nelson Rockefeller in honor of his son Michael. In total, it included more than 3,000 works, the Robert Goldwater Library, and the Visual Resource Archive. Michael was the great. Michael Rockefeller was the great-grandson of Standard Oil co-founder John D. Rockefeller. He was a historian interested in the cultures of Oceania. After returning from his first trip to New Guinea, he said, quote, It's the desire to do something adventurous at a time when frontiers in the real sense of the world are disappearing. Quote. He worked hard to record these cultures as they were disappearing so that they could be learned from and enjoyed for centuries to come. Sadly, on another trip in November 1961, he died after his canoe overturned. Theories range from sabotage to a crocodile attack and even murder and cannibalism. His body was never recovered and Michael was declared legally dead in 1964. In his honor and due to his love of art, his father Nelson donated a collection that forms the basis of the Michael C. Rockefeller wing. Today it is enjoyed by millions of visitors each year and teaches them about the wonders of art from an underrepresented areas of the world. 
Today, it is enjoyed by millions of visitors each year and teaches them about the wonders of art from underrepresented areas of the world. This smiling figure from the Rimahadas culture is truly a masterpiece. His contagious smile fills the room and invites viewers to learn more about Mesomer. His contagious smile fills the room and invites the viewer to learn more about Mesoamerican cultures before the age of exploration and destruction. Make sure to tune in next week when I discover the next Make sure to tune in next week when I discuss the next metropolitan masterpiece, Winslow Homer's The Gulf Stream. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers and see you for the next episode.